the I Strive Difference. Thank you and welcome to the show. So lovely to have you here. Today we'll be talking about three things. Go get your coins, get a raise, but how much of a raise do you want to get? Know your inflation rate. That should be a good basis to know how much. It- My name is John Ponyareka. I'm a CPA and I am your host for the evening. It has been such a strange time trying to get any straight word from this Biden administration as far as it comes to economic times. It has been so strange. I can tell you from my very short term of experience, I have never seen an administration so adamant at not saying exactly what is happening. It started with the redefinition of recession. And the redefinition of recession is a scandal that I feel that did not achieve its full scandal status because of so many other scandals around it economically. And this this means when they started redefining what a recession is. At first, it was just casual conversation that okay, we are not in a recession. Make sure no one says that we are in a recession. And then we had those two quarters of negative GDP growth, which is the classical definition of a recession. And guess what? Wikipedia had been changed. Uh, the official definition of the recession had been changed. And in a way, the numbers that came out today were a big shock to even the White House. So let me back up a bit. Today we received the CPI data for July from the today we received the CPI data for July from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And the shock of all of them was that. The inflation was lower than expected. And this is to pile on after the jobs report came in and blew it out of the water. Over 500,000 jobs created in the month of July. So, in a way it figures that these two numbers completely surprised both the policymakers and the lawmakers and the anticipation from the Biden administration that they're going to have to deal with a recession both in classical terms that they have now since deleted just two negative quarters or in the practical uh, sense where unemployment starts rising both of these things did not materialize which means uh, unemployment stayed pretty strong or pretty low while inflation also held pretty low both surprising Uh, to the side that uh, the lawmakers and policymakers were not comfortable with. Now, let's go into the numbers and uh, talk a little bit more about that. So, before we get into this, I think it's going to be useful for a lot of people if I just back up a bit and talk about what does CPI number actually give us. Whenever inflation number comes out, uh, there's always a debate that mostly starts on Twitter and doesn't end there about. Does CPI actually represent inflation? And there are a lot of people that have trepidations on what that number actually represent. I happen to be one of them, uh, but I don't think that that's as important as at least we're maintaining that we are consistently measuring the same thing. So I'm going to make three different distinctions between CPI, consumer price index, purchasing power, and inflation. All right, so CPI is what we get today. So that is a basket that the government has put together to monitor the increase of prices. Now this basket has all kinds of uh, different variety of things and they sh- the the idea is that they cover a broad enough spectrum of consumption that they represent general price increase. Now, inflation itself is the 
action of increasing prices. Now the question becomes, does the CPI capture inflation sufficiently? And that's where purchasing power comes in. Purchasing power focuses on how much the currency can actually purchase in a specific product, good, or service. And this is where you find most experts fall in two sides, that while inflation has been tracked uh, through CPI for a long time and varied theories have been put forth on how to measure it, the purchasing power has been on a steady decline on a much faster pace than is shown by inflation. Most experts think that the way CPI measures inflation leaves a lot to be desired because it does not account for the entire loss of purchasing power. And this is understandable because loss of purchasing power has gone much further than inflation has indicated. And this is from the beginning of time, but also more specifically from when Nixon took the dollar off of the gold uh, uh, gold standard in 1971. So why do we actually talk about inflation? Why is it important? Inflation and the conversation around inflation is important because it directly leads to actions from the Federal Reserve Bank of America. And I know that uh, speaking from a person who is in Canada, I am ignoring our own Re uh, Federal Reserve Bank, which is fine. Sorry, Central Reserve Bank, uh, which is fine. Uh, today, we'll be strictly discussing the American one. And then from an African point of view, the American, was the American one is actually very globally relevant because the price of the dollar affects a lot of government borrowings and forex exchanges all over the world. And this is very important that we start to see as long as, as soon as the dollar starts to get expensive, you start to see some failed states like Sri Lanka and perhaps Pakistan and other places running out of forex because the price of the dollar is internationally relevant to running economies that are far, far from coastal United States. This is the way it has been set up from the agreement in Bretton Woods in 1944. Most currencies are pegged to the dollar. So to stabilize them, you need American dollars. And if dollars are getting expensive in terms of local currency, it becomes very difficult to import key things like oil, petrol, rice, uh, if you don't farm rice, and other key uh, necessary items. I do not want to digress that far, but I just want to give context that this is what makes the United States of America, the Federal Reserve Bank system specifically, to sit in the middle of pricing the global currency. Now, the Federal Reserve System, a bank, sorry, the Federal Reserve Bank system has two mandates to the American people. They are tasked with price stability and full employment. And it is never a destination that you can stay long. There are no cases where there are long sustained examples of price stability and full employment. Usually, as soon as you achieve full employment, you have to start battling with price stability. And that is the situation that we're in at this very moment. Employment is at full capacity. Labor market, according to Jerome Powell, it is too strong. He cannot believe how strong it is, which means the economy will continue being heated until something actually happens. Something actually happening means 
the labor market softening up. Softening up means layoffs. And we are starting to see some layoffs. I know a lot of tech companies have announced layoffs. Even with those layoffs, unemployment rate continues to hold. And this month's unemployment, unemployment numbers show that the labor market remains very strong. Now, in that case, the natural next question to ask is, so what is the problem? Oh, the main problem with a very strong labor market, a very tight labor market, is that if it remains tight, leverage starts to swing towards workers. And if workers are given that leverage, they will ask for raises. And as soon as they get raises, they'll go and shop. As soon as they go shop, they're going to increase prices of demanded things, which is going to cause inflation and hence price instability. And we are already dealing with what they call, quote-unquote, price instability because of the money that was printed during COVID. It is not the only reason why we are dealing with this level of inflation. However, it is a contributing factor that we are now at a point where inflation is running at 8.5% and we are celebrating that that came in below expectation. That should tell you exactly where we are because the target for the American government, sorry, for the Federal Reserve System is 2%. We are four times away and there was some sense of celebration that inflation is cooling down. Now, is inflation really cooling down? That's a very good question. If you listen to Joe Biden today, it will sound like he had his mission accomplished moment while announcing the zero inflation monthly lack of growth. However, the more disturbing thing to me was the gleefulness that you could see on all the CNBC bankers when they could start to sense that there might be a Fed pivot after this next raise that is going to come, assuming in September. They all appear to be in a state where they cannot wait until this money-raising regime is finished and Jay Powell has gone his pound of flesh and the labor market has been destroyed somewhat. And this brought me to the thinking, does the dual mandate of the Federal Reserve System hit Main Street versus Wall Street? And let me explain. Wall Street has been breath-held waiting for layoffs to go deeper into Main Street so that the government can come back and assume rescue positions by reducing the cost of money back to low interest periods and as such resume the games that were being played back when money was cheap like, you know what, 10 months ago. It feels like an eternity for them because this has been 10 months of a break whenever there is an excess of money and they happen to get a hold of it. There is a game of assets that begins to get played and there are a lot of winners, there are a lot of losers, but the casino goes on. Whenever the money is accumulating value as it has been recently, even though there is inflation, cash has been holding up pretty okay. The interest rates to borrow have been resuming back to normal. This stops most of the gambling I wouldn't say most of the gambling, a lot of the gambling from Wall Street. However, at the same time, unemployment has been very low, even as talks of recession and talks of potential depression were happening in the press. Now, why is that? I, to be 100%, do not know. However, one of my guesstimates is that you can already see companies passing on the prices to the consumer. 
and you can see it at a faster pace than wages. So real wages, I believe, are going down significantly. But in as far as companies are concerned, profitability has sustained because labor has been absorbing all this real wage cuts. So this has been accruing to profit, which does not necessitate large layoffs. Now, I believe we still have yet to see how this is going to go. But a half of me is saying that there might be a chance that the Fed actually does the pivot that Wall Street expects and starts sounding less enthusiastic to raise rates. And that is going to resume a lot of the asset trading and asset gambling that was happening in the pandemic, which means the stock market goes up and people start acting like everything is normal. But let's go back to the main thing. Is inflation really zero? So we looked at this very closely. And one of the things that I can without a doubt tell you is that it is absolutely not zero. But Biden was not lying. Inflation is zero from June to July. But from June to July, not all things have a 0% annualized inflation. If we stayed at this level of inflation, as far as Biden is concerned, we'd have zero inflation, which the problem will resume to be we have too low of an inflation, inflation rate. But let me enlighten you on some of the things that are not zero on the inflation scale and not zero in June, July. I'll take some examples. I won't go through them exhaustively, but this should show you exactly who is suffering and who is not. So let's start with YouTubers. YouTubers are getting hit by inflation very hard because between June and July, camera equipment was up the highest of all goods and commodities. Somebody should check on YouTubers and make sure everything is all right. I think everybody's flocking to TikTok. That is my conclusion for CPI. Good night. So eggs and potatoes, both are up over 50% in annualized inflation. That is not the same message that you're getting from a 0% inflation uh, June to July. So there's cherry picking going on with the number that uh, Biden is playing with. Household paper products are up over 35%. Peanut butter, about 35%. So you see, the big difference that made this report look favorable is the gasoline index. The gasoline index is down 7.7%. And this index is mostly from fuel, from all the hydrocarbons that have been excessive in the past since the Russia war started, started coming down. And this started coming down, what I would say, gently. And then there's a, a net assumption that because of that, we are out of the woods. That is not the case at all. Food is up 13%. And most households depend on food being affordable more than they depend on gasoline being affordable. So households are still suffering while Wall Street is spiking the football that we are finally seeing the end of high prices. While they can rejoice in the average, I'm here to tell you households are still suffering. Now, what exactly did go down? Well, airline fares went down, gasoline went down, Women's clothing went down, utilities went down, especially gas. And that is the balancing factor. So, when you hear about what goes up and what goes down, what should be at the top of your mind is, how does this affect me? And I will tell you, every single one of these goods that are in CPI affects you somewhat. 
Maybe not equally, because if you do not drive, the only way gasoline will affect you is if you use Ubers and the taxes you probably pay for the municipal. But when you're calculating on how to set yourself up well for your own budget and for your own household, you cannot focus on gasoline as one of the reasons why your life is getting better. You have to focus on the food, which in our case means that your life is getting 10% tougher every month. And this is very significant. So you have to plan for that. This is why as part of the budget that we make sure that you understand calculating your inflation is very, very important. You need to know your inflation number, good or bad, so that when you're calculating how much money you need to live, you're calculating the right amount of money. So with all that being said, does you getting a raise at work destroy the economy? Is the idea that you can stop the Federal Reserve system sweat from continuing to fall as they tightrope this uh, soft landing, as they call it, by you not taking a raise at work? If you do not get a raise and you continue taking these pay cuts, yes, a soft landing is possibly possible because instead of you getting fired, you will get only half your pay and then it will look like the employment numbers are fine and it will look like the inflation numbers are fine. However, I'm here as your fellow striver, so I'm telling you, go get your coins, go get your raise. And what you need to do is calculate your inflation so that when you're asking for that raise, you're absolutely sure how much in the hole you are and you're not getting cheated out of your purchasing power. Make sure you know. And if they, the current employer does not entertain your, uh, your need for a raise, as the market for labor is still tight, this is not a bad time to start looking around, dust up that resume and see if you can appraise yourself on the open market. Let the employers compete and make sure that you know how much more expensive your life is going to be on a month-to-month basis. Know your inflation rate. Lastly, let's talk about the idea of following the money. So following the money is an age-old advice that you will get from any generation and it always happens to be true. There's always somebody getting what they want and there's always somebody getting what they paid for. And usually those two people are the same person. If you follow the money, where does it lead you in this inflation, deflation and interest rate conversation? Well, 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 it leads you right back to the politicians. Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been a staple in American politics for as long as I can remember. Uh, I was a big fan of Barack Obama. So... Joe Biden was like Barack's guy to help him with the uh, people who do not believe he was not a Black Panther. That's neither here nor there. However, Joe Biden needs to help the Democrats win in the midterms. So part of the reasons why you see a lot of commotion with changing the verbiage from this is not a recession, word art. Let's not say lying. Let's say word art. They're playing games with words to make sure that we don't say what it actually is. That this is a recession, even though the employment is still high, this is still a recession. Joe Biden has to lead the Democrats through an election in November with a recession brewing underneath the belly of the American people. And one of the things American people look at, even when they're not educated by economics, is the price of gas. Gas per gallon is literally what Americans look like, look at to know if the economy is good. And it has hit historical numbers.
In June, it peaked around $5 per gallon. And today, after the report of the numbers, it is down to 4. If Joe Biden can get this number down to, I don't know, 3, even if food is increasing, and even if other things are increasing, he can always point to the, the price of gas and say, look, we fixed the economy and the economy is back on track. So Wall Street now has to decide at some point, who are we going to back between the Democrats who have an economy that is crashing on them or the Republicans who might have an opportunity to say, look, the Democrats ruined the economy. It's not very clear who they will decide to buy, but the money always talks. And it's not very clear that if they remain with the Democrats, they are going to get what they want, which is ultimately cheap money back. Cheap money back is the main thing that Wall Street would prefer to return back to their, to return back to their preferred state of being, which is hella rich. So if they're in that position, do they decide the Democrats have this thing figured out? Let's work with them. Or do they decide, wait, let's go with the Republicans who will say we are in a recession, admit it publicly, and as soon as they get in, start to push towards getting cheap money back. One thing for sure, two things for certain, that cheap money is coming back. Whether it's 2023 or 2024, what they are calling the Fed pivot is going to happen. There is no such thing as a scenario where we end up with a meaningful dollar. As soon as the dollar was taken off the gold standard, cash was destroyed. I'll make a video about this at some point later on. Cash was destroyed and what, what was left after that is a fend for yourself asset only economy where everybody who wants to maintain some sort of value and purchasing power has to be risk on. And it is becoming very difficult for people who have had 10, since 2008 really, 10 or so years of cheap money to take a foot off the risk gas, so to say, and tread slowly in a market where there's a chance the rates keep going up. Now, Jerome Powell, for his part, has emphasized that he has the means, the will, and the, the gonads to raise interest rates to a point where he's comfortable with inflation being down to 2% from 8 So cutting this inflation by 4 I do not believe him, but that's what he says. Structurally, if we have arrived at the peak of inflation, it's going to be much easier a year from now saying we've only increased 2% while that 2% is sitting on that 8% that happened today. So you have to understand the time series of data as well, that there is an advantage to starting with higher numbers that can only go slightly higher. However, on the other side of the coin, you have people like Kathy Wood and other deflationary preachers that are saying that this economy itself does not actually have an inflation problem. This is a short-term constraint problem with supplies and supply chain issues masquerading as excess demand. What this economy actually does have is a deflationary force that is coming through as services and technological innovation that is going to cut demand for a lot of things that are provide employment to people and a lot of things that masquerade as demand. For example, electric cars coming in and reducing the need for taxis and the need for buying a new car while you can always order a Tesla that drives itself 
to get you from here to Waterloo without ever having to own it. Other AI tools and other technological innovations displacing uh, knowledge workers left, right and center or concentrating uh, productivity towards lower uh, wage humans, which also creates unemployment in the middle class, which kills demand. I think there is an argument to be made that that view can sustain However, it is very drastic. If we do have a deflationary problem, that is an, a much bigger problem than an inflationary problem. A deflationary problem means uh, we are starting to think about uh, situations where we end up like a Japan, where there's really no significant growth to, to show, and it's um, a, a money-losing value and not having a lot of growth in GDP. So... That period itself is usually referred to as stagflation or the last three decades for Japan. Uh, this is technically one of the lost decades for the West. There haven't been much economic growth, even for as much stimulus as we have seen, starting with Obama and, and top and then QB1, 2, 3, 4, and QB Infinity, the tax cuts from Trump. All of these things have not been able to stimulate the economy to an extent that is acknowledgeable. Last year, 5.5% on the American economy was high. And even Jerome Powell was very candid in saying that that is extraordinarily high. And it was bound to cool down just from a structural point of view that that is too high. Now, so what does it actually mean uh, for you? Three things. Go get your coins, get a raise. But how much of a raise do you want to get? Know your inflation rate. That should be a good basis to know how much is actually getting off of your purchasing power. From that, you can package how much of a raise do I need to make sure I maintain my quality of life how I like it. You can upskill yourself to cover for this ongoing rate of loss of purchasing power. Because this is not going to stop now. This is going to keep going. And if you are very close to age of retirement or you've done some retirement planning, it's very key that once you calculate your inflation rate, you go and use it for your calculations for retirement. Because once you get to a fixed income, it's going to be very difficult to pull back and get back into a more ongoing cash flow situation because you underemphasize your inflation due to taking a round number or an average number. If you have a financial planner or a financial advisor, take this number to them. Uh, I am 100% sure they are not calculating it for you. So make sure you calculate it yourself and take it to them. If you need help, DM me, reach out, and I'll help you calculate this number. Thank you so much for staying, and I hope this was informative. Send me some questions. I'll be glad to answer them as we go. And uh, have a good night. Strive.